0: Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today we are joined by Travel Anderson, an award-winning journalist, co-host on the What A Day podcast and the Fanta podcast, and the author of the brand new book, We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. Today I talk with Travel about their book, which is a personal history of trans visibility on screen, and it traces the televisual trans history, both in plain sight and hidden in the shadows of history. The book is fantastic and adds much-needed context to our current state of transphobia as well as increased representation. Remember, our June book club pick is Oreo by Fran Ross. We will discuss the book with Hannah Oliver-Depp on Wednesday, June 28th. Everything we talk about on each episode of the show can be found in the link in the show notes. If you just cannot get enough of the Stacks, I have even more for you. If you join the Stacks Pack, which is our community on Patreon, For just $5 a month, you get bonus episodes, our virtual book club, access to the extremely active Discord where we do buddy reads, give book recommendations, share our Pop-Tart power rankings, and a lot more. Trust me, the Stacks Pack is having a good time. If this sounds like you or if you just want to throw a little money behind your favorite independent book podcast, head to patreon.com slash the Stacks. I want to give a special shout out to some of our newest members, Cynthia Garza, Megan McSorley. Sean Polidor, Ryan Cox, Marie Matter, and Julia Mora Khan. Thank you all so much, and thank you to the entire Stacks Pack. All right, now it's time for my conversation with Travel Anderson. All right, everybody. I am so excited. I'm joined today by one of my, just someone that I admire so much, I think is so smart, wrote an incredible book, has a hilarious podcast and then also like kind of like a smart newsy podcast. It's Trayvall Anderson. Welcome to The Stacks.
1: Thanks for having me. So glad to be here. I'm so
0: happy you're here. Let me tell folks about the book you wrote. It's called We See Each Other, A Black Trans Journey Throughout TV and Film. I was not sure what to expect with this book mm-hmm. because it's like you don't really know what you're going to get necessarily. You have mm-hmm. an idea black, you have an idea trans, but otherwise it's like this could be anything. I love this book. The way that I was googling as I was reading and being like who the fuck is that? What is love this? That. Oh my god. I I was like, oh, and I totally could feel you wanted me to do that. You know, like, the view, like I was like, oh, I feel like I am tapped into exactly what Trayvall wants from us. Um, but why don't you tell folks in about 30 seconds or so what the book is about?
1: Yes. Okay, so We See Each Other is part history of trans images on screen since the beginning of Moving Images, part memoir. So I basically take little bits and pieces from my own personal gender journey and becoming journey and juxtapose them with some canonical images of trans folks in media and then all other images of gender expression in media that I think impacts trans folks' lives.
0: One of the things that I appreciate about this book is that pretty early on, you let us know that this is not comprehensive, that it's not every image of a trans person on screen. Mm -hmm. It's not every story that we've ever seen. It's not every reference. And I really appreciate that because I think sometimes when books try to do everything, it's like, you can't do it. You just simply Mm -hmm. can't. But I want to know why you made that choice to narrow it down to the representations that mattered to you.
1: Yeah, so what I pitched, you know, the idea that I sold was <laughs> this more comprehensive, deeply researched, you know, perhaps a little bit more clinical approach to the history of trans images on screen. That's what I pitched, that's what they bought. Um, and then, to be quite honest, in the course of writing, I was like, okay, this is hard because, <laughs> you know, there is just like, I couldn't I couldn't hit on everything Right. right, even things that I thought were important, um, and then there were some things that I purposefully didn't want to hit on. I found myself—I tell the story in the book—of I found myself watching Boys Don't Cry um, because that is a you know canonical piece of of film about trans life, and you know it was really a you know triggering experience for me. And I was like, well, now why am I subjecting myself to some of these right. you know horror? Horrible images as a means of telling this like full history of how we as a community have been rendered on screen. Um, and so it was really that point that I was like, you know what, actually not going to do that, which is not to say I don't contend with some of the stereotypes and the tropes and like the the negative images as it relates to transness and gender expansiveness on screen but that I wanted to be sure to center the uniqueness of my experience
0: mm-hmm. and and
1: and my understanding and view on some of these films um one because I felt like that was necessary mm-hmm. oftentimes we treat like film and TV as like you know superfluous and you know it's just it's just that thing over there that, you right. know, our parents don't want us to be creatives, okay? <laughs> and then the work that the creatives produce, right, is often, you know, undervalued in in our society. But so many of those images have led to the very real lived experiences and lives that so many of us live. And so why not, you know, be intentional about, like, painting that picture? So that's how it became more personal. And I just kind of had to, you know, relieve myself of the burden of hitting on everything Mm -hmm. and see it as an opportunity to just try to, you know, I do my contribution and make space for somebody else to do their contribution.
0: (laughs) I love what you say. You said this in the book and you just mentioned it about how people don't really give film representation maybe the credit that it's due mm-hmm. for both good and bad representation and the way that that affects us as people. Um I recently read a book called Rise, which was about, it's about uh, Asian America and pop culture. Mm. And there's like a huge section or a ch- section of the book that talks about that movie, um, What About Apu? That's mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. sign. You remember that movie? Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. It's a movie for people who don't know about um, the Simpsons character who is voiced by... um Hank Azaria. And it's like a very racist depiction of an Indian store Mm -hmm, owner. Perhaps he's Pakistani. It's very unclear. It's very racist. Um, And they talk about everyone in the documentary is Indian or South Asian. And they talk about how much that depiction played into their childhoods and their understandings of their families and everything. And I think, you know, you talk about that in this book is like, we do learn a lot of stuff from our families, but we learn a lot of stuff from the media and like how to treat people and how that's okay or not okay or who people are and who's worthy and who's not. Mm -hmm. And I was so grateful to you for saying that because I know that, but I never would have articulated it that way. Do
1: you know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, and I think that's, that's the reality. I think when you talk to people about, the shows that we loved as kids, or the movie that we always watch with our grandparents, um, and then you compare that to our behaviors, right? How we show up mm-hmm. in the world. I've been saying a lot recently, particularly with the you know legislative assault that we are going through as a community right now, that you know all of these you know conservative lawmakers are saying and trying to make people believe that we as trans people are predators, that we are groomers, that we somehow want to to hurt people or replace women and a lot of those exact same kind of ideas you know first popped up on screen
0: mm-hmm. right
1: whether it was in cycle or silence of the lambs or you know we can go down a very long list and i think it becomes easy for john q public to believe that mm-hmm. type of misinformation because that's all they've seen on TV and in movies, anyway, and it's
0: already in their head. It's
1: already it's in like their laying head, laying
0: there dormant.
1: And then, and so then, you hear, you know, this conservative person say this thing, and it 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 unlocks that yes. memory, right, from that one thing that you saw all those many years ago. That is actually a very horrible and harmful portrayal, if we're going to call it that, of a trans person or trans experience. But it unlocks that and it makes you, it makes it okay then, right, when you hear that another Black trans person has been killed, right, because you think that we should be. Right. Because that's what you've learned, right? That's right, what you've that been we're taught. we're serial
0: killers and groomers Absolutely. and all of these things. Okay, so then let me ask you this. How do you feel about this book coming into the world amidst this very public Mm -hmm. moment of people killing trans people, especially black trans people, Mm -hmm. of people legislating against trans people, of people legislating against trans children, against Mm -hmm. trans athletes, against trans authors? Like, What does this book mean for you, not just in the big picture, but in this exact moment? You know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's just say this was not the plan, right? right. Did not right. did not conceptualize that this book would be coming out at this particular moment in which not only the assault on trans community but also the assault on, you know, black history, right? That's also unfolding um as well. And, you know it's really it's really <laughs> it's really weird because the moment kind of ratchets up the urgency mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. for such a book like this for the types of stories like these and yet it also on top of that is yet another example of what i talk about in the book is the paradox of visibility mm-hmm. right how we become so visible Uh, as a community, and at the same time, we are the most vulnerable, right? Um, As a community, and how that vulnerability, it shows up in different ways, right? So, like, the way that I knew that my interview that I did on Good Morning America about the book published is because when I woke up, I had a sea of hate, Mm. right, in my Mm. comments on my social media, right and so that's a particular type of vulnerability there but we never talk about the types of vulnerability right for the black and brown trans folks right in everyday life right, right who don't who aren't actual visible right who are just trying to live their lives and walk through the world right and so it's it's it has been a perplexing moment and experience to have written this book and have it come out at this moment and uh, I'm still in it, right? right? So it's it's even more kind of weird, but it definitely is kind of proof within itself of like the need right. for the book and these conversations.
0: And I, I also just want to say, just because I don't want people to think that I don't understand that trans people have been in, under attack previously to mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. I just want to, but I think this moment feels particularly vitriolic, particularly Absolutely. in the media in a way that maybe it wasn't six years ago or 12 years ago. Um, so I just want to clarify so people don't think that I'm like, oh, trans people just were invented and now people hate them starting today. Um, let's talk a little bit about talking about art from the past and talking mm-hmm. about it. Contemporaneously. So there's a early on in the book, you talk a lot about drag queens because in media, um, in movies, a lot of characters were, or even in culture, a lot of people who were trans used the language of being drag queens like Mm -hmm. that was just like what people used at the time regardless Mm -hmm. of if they were a cis man who was you know wearing women's clothes and performing as a drag queen like we know it now or someone Mm -hmm. who was living a trans life
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i want to talk about the conflation of these two things and like how you were pulling it apart and trying to decide what was trans representation and what was drag queen representation. And does that matter? (laughs) Like, does it matter if something from the 1980s is drag Mm -hmm. versus trans? Like, or why does it matter? Or how Mm -hmm. does it matter to you? I don't know. It's a lot of questions, but I just love for you to tease it out a little bit for us.
1: Let me see what I can do with that. Um, (laughs) So I think, well, one, it was important to talk about drag in a couple different ways for me. I'll start with, you know, the what I will call the traditional form of drag, right, which is a man, a cis identified man. Dressing up in... Get, getting up in the gigs, right? For some sort of performance. Um, right. And it was important to talk about that mainly because of, for me, the Lady Chablis, who starred in Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which is based mm-hmm. on a book, um, which in part was based on... Um, a chapter of it w- talked about the Lady Chablis in real life. She plays a version of herself in the movie. Right. And... The Lady Chablis was a trans woman, but she was also a drag performer. Mm -hmm. In the film, she is only ever regarded in text as a drag performer, though there are these, you know, subtle inferences to, you know, estrogen shots and, you know, other, other things that would signal a trans identity, not right, just-
0: like, like pronouns, right? Like, like, exactly. people correct the pronouns.
1: Absolutely. Um, a, a, that, that would signal, you know, transness and not just drag. But because of the time period, right? And the language that we had at that time that was most often in use, right? She's referred to in all of the press that you look at from the time um, as a drag queen. And then I think of a film like Tu Wong Fu, mm-hmm. in which John Leguizamo's character, Chi Chi, has somehow been deemed a trans icon mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. when if you watch the movie, <laughs> there you we can make the case a variety of different ways about, you know. Uh, Who Chi Chi is, as well as Wesley Snipe's character and Patrick Swayze's character. Um, And so it became important to talk about drag in that particular way because of, in part, this current cultural moment in which we see transness and drag kind of side by side Mm -hmm. in a show like RuPaul's Drag Race, for example. Yeah. Right? Um, It's just so of the culture and of the moment. And because we know that back in the day, we didn't have or use the language of trans, transgender, transness to describe identities, right? For example, Marsha P. Johnson, right, who's considered, you know, the mother of, you know, Stonewall, LGBTQ movement, et cetera, alongside Sylvia Rivera, um, identified as a drag queen. Use that language for herself because that's the language that they had. And so how do we have a conversation about images of drag, right, as potential, both potential sites of possibility that Mm -hmm. trans people have seen themselves within as Mm -hmm. well as areas where John Q. Public, right, might be pulling from, you know, in terms of their thoughts and feelings and expressions as it relates to our identities as trans people. so that was one. And then there's the second type of drag that we don't talk enough about, in my particular opinion, in uh, <laughs> uh, the Black community, which is... I was just is... going to get
0: to this. I'm so happy you're doing this. Okay, <laughs> go, go, go.
1: Which <laughs> is the type of drag that gives us a Medea, the mm-hmm. type of drag that gives us a Wanda, a Shanayne, you know, a Rasputia. We can mm-hmm. go down a long line, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a Geraldine, mm-hmm. shout out to Flip Wilson, right? So these Black men... Black, mostly at least publicly known as straight men, mm-hmm. cis men, right? Mm-hmm. Donning these woman characters mm-hmm. um as a means of entertainment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And how in my own personal experience, I talk a lot about Medea and how I have a soft spot for mm-hmm. for that character. Not necessarily Tyler Perry, just the <laughs> character. Um <laughs> Um and how, as I have gone through my own particular journey, I noticed that the same types of jokes that get lodged at a Medea, a Wanda, a Shanae right, are the exact same jokes, quote unquote jokes that manifest as in real life violence that we as Black trans women in films experience, mm-hmm. right? Because they the jokes are about our bodies. It's about our shoulders. It's about the size of our hands, the size of our feet, right? Whether or not we have an Adam's apple, whether or not our jaw is a particular type of way mm-hmm. or whatever, right? And how now people, if we are not Exhibiting and exuding the type of identity, the type of gender play for entertainment purposes that a Medea, right, is doing, how that becomes some sort of aberration in, yeah. in culture that leads to us as Black trans people, Black trans women, and films in particular being killed. Right. Right. For for existing. And I think we as a community need to talk a little bit more about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And the complexities that lead us there.
0: Do you I mean, you talk about it a little bit in the book. And I think, you know, I found it really interesting when you mentioned that um, Dave Chappelle has famously not (laughs) done this drag moment. And and you talk about in the book how the black comedians who have done these like infamous drag characters sort of like cut their teeth, right? Like that was Mm -hmm. sort of like some of their earlier work. And it's like Mm -hmm. what made them Mm -hmm. who they are. And so I'm just I don't know. I don't I don't there's not a great question there. I think I mean I think the question is like, do we think that Dave Chappelle's transphobic because he's never (laughs) dressed up as a woman? I don't know if that's like the real question. (laughs) <laughs> but there is definitely something like in there about that like he's the only one who hasn't like walked a mile in her shoes mm-hmm. so to speak mm-hmm. and he's like the biggest monster but then of course there's like the subtle digs at trans at trans people and also mm-hmm. black women across the board even mm-hmm. even sis black women right mm-hmm. like this disdain for them as well in these characters and like, you know, maybe on a lesser level, because some of it, you know, and I think like some of it you can say is homage and, you know, like, it's like this well, that's fine what they, line. That's what they, that's what they say,
1: right? right. They say right. that that's all of these say. characters are homages to the women in their life, to the women that we all know. And maybe, maybe it is. It maybe can a little? Be. Maybe. It can <laughs> be. And it can also be, you know, a reproduction of stereotypes in harm, right? right? As it relates to black women, re- large right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not and, and more specifically you know the experiences of black trans women in films in our community um and it's not about necessarily trying to do away with these characters um mm-hmm. i'm someone my friends always make fun of me because i'm always like well it's nuanced it's complex <laughs> it's complicated <laughs> But, like, it really it really is, and I just think that we should be, like, teasing that out a little more. You know, it's interesting that all of these men who have, you know, in various ways built their foundations of their careers on some of these women characters performing drag, you know, are nowhere to be heard from. Right, mm-hmm. as drag is being, you know, legislated against right. you know, Holy across shit. the country. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this also, I mentioned yes. this very briefly in the book, but this also applies to, in my opinion, your favorite social media influencer who puts on a wig, right? Mm-hmm. And and who gets up in drag, right? For mm-hmm. this the same type of characters, the same type of effect. We don't hear them. mm Talking out against, you know, drag being banned um, in these various cultures and communities.
0: Do you think that that social media influencer or, you know... Martin or -hmm. whoever do you think that they think that they're doing drag like do you think that your Mm. favorite social media influencer is like I should stand up for this because I'm doing drag or do you think they're like I'm making content and I'm putting on a wig because I'm doing a church woman because I feel like the way we talk about drag sometimes now is like that drag is a thing and it's a political thing and it's a this you know and Mm -hmm. it means something Mm -hmm. and I and I believe that's true Mm -hmm. but I wonder if that separates people who are just like I'm being funny online
1: I I think I agree with I yes I I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes we don't especially with the you know how do they say mainstreamification of drag due mm-hmm. to a RuPaul's Drag RuPaul, Race yeah. there's a, a a very particular type of drag, right, that is mainstream now, which is, you know, it's full on done up wig. It's right. a full beat, a right? Full it's face. It's body. You know, it's it's, gowns, it's so much. Beautiful gal. So much, right? And <laughs> and I I I do think that folks who might you know I'm thinking of like a a Terry Joe, for example, or you know any of the other uh influences. I do think they think there's a, a difference right because yeah. they're not they're not getting dolled up in that specific type of way. They're not right. going down to the club and lip syncing, you know for tips, right. you know, but the reality is, yes at at the foundation it's all the same thing it's the same thing right it is all the same thing but we know that the drag bands won't be enforced on them in mm-hmm. the ways that it'll be enforced on you know the drag queens down at the local club right the the communities who have had to cancel pride right Right. Right. Because of, you know, some of this legislation that's going around. But no, you, the influencer, you, the comedian, will still be able to, you know, go on your tours and do your characters on stage because we know the truth of what, you know, all of this legislation is is really about. All this hate is really about. Um, And it's about making sure that. We as trans people, we as queer people either don't exist or we only exist in very specific ways.
0: Yeah, it just made me think of like that phrase that I feel like so many Native Americans use, which is like culture, not costume. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Mm -hmm. so many of the comedians and the influencers, it's costume. And I feel Mm -hmm. like for a lot of people who are Mm. going to the clubs, who are actually in those spaces, in those communities, it's culture. And we're punishing the people whose culture it is and not the people who think that it's a joke or think that it's like a no big deal. Right, and Um, no
1: one should be punished, right? To be clear. Right, no one should be punished. No No one should be punished. You're right, Um, I didn't mean
0: to phrase it. Yeah,
1: no, free I all you. drag <laughs>
0: all drag all the time honestly Listen, all drag matters yeah, okay all drag um. all the time all drag matters more drag Lo- not less not less everyone we love a drag moment here oh my god do not get me canceled I'm gonna be in Florida all of a sudden I'm gonna be having to hang out with Ron DeSantis if I hang out with you much longer
1: that was oh amazing
0: <laughs> okay we have to take a break we'll be right back with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's n-o-o-m.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. Okay, we're back. I'm still giggling, uh, but <laughs> you brought this up right before I almost got canceled, which is about which portrayals are acceptable mm-hmm. on screen and film and which ones are not. And you talk about this sort of early in the book about this idea of when did you first see yourself on screen? And one of the things you say back to that question is, first of all, you don't like it, um, which I get because you're like, I'm, <laughs> I haven't been on screen. But the, one of the things you say is that the portrayals on screen when you were coming up didn't represent you because it was only acceptable portrayals of trans people and in mm-hmm. an often time and often cases of drag people in drag. So I'm wondering, like, what do you feel like is acceptable portrayals of trans people? And what are we still not being able to see on screen? What have we still not deemed have not has not been deemed acceptable?
1: You know what's interesting? I'm glad you brought up this question. So as part of the book release or whatever, I've been doing a limited series podcast called We See Each Other, the podcast, co-hosted with Shar Jocel. And we've been teasing out a number of the topics that are in the book, interviewing various other trans folks about their thoughts on visibility. And one of the things that we recently spoke about in regards to this this point is how so many of even the images of trans folks that we love and we lift up as like great examples are all still rooted in have the character rooted in sex work. Mm. And how
0: Holy there shit, are yeah.
1: there are trans women. Right, who are sex workers mm-hmm. both for by choice and doing it out of survival? Um, and how it is important to represent and show those stories and narratives, but how we haven't yet seen the trans barista, mm-hmm. the trans grocery store worker, right. You know, the trans people doing anything other than having to or wanting to engage in sex work.
0: Right. Um, or being like a kid. Right. Like we see a lot or of or being like, of a like kid. coming of age into becoming.
1: There's a preoccupation with the the transition narrative. Right, like right? the
0: moment of transition. The
1: moment you knew and yeah. the moment you started, you know, engaging with the medical establishment to actualize these parts of yourself. Um, and so I say all that to say, that promised land that I think is where at least I'm trying to get to when it comes to trans representation is one where we have so many different slices of trans life represented, Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily trying to do away with the narratives that have uh, that show transness at the intersection of sex work, because that's a very real part of many trans folks lives Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. often because, you know, they're forced into that type of work. Um, But we we as trans people exist in so many other ways beyond sex work as well. Right. And so how do we get to a point where we have, you know, our trans housewives and we have our trans, you know, uh, bachelorettes, you know, right. or, you know, all these other potential images, right, um, in which transness can be part of a narrative and not necessarily the, the center of said narrative. I think that's what we're trying to work towards.
0: I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. You did. And a thing that comes up, you know, in in the book and in representations that you talk about that you loved um, or that you liked part of or that you thought Mm -hmm. were valid. I mean, I think we can talk about this in a second. Like you're very critical, which I love about you because I believe in so much in criticism. I think it's so important to not just say, I enjoyed this movie. It's a 10 out of 10, but to say, I enjoyed this movie. It's maybe a seven out of 10. Cause here's some Mm -hmm. things I didn't like, but I Mm -hmm. still enjoyed it and it's still like worthy. But one of the things that you talk about, and it's something that I think about uh, just in general with black representation is like what, which of these stories are about, trauma Mm -hmm. for trauma's sake versus which of these stories portray trauma in a way that feels realistic to the actual lived experience. Like Mm -hmm. I would like, I'm a black woman. I have experienced traumas, but I Mm -hmm. would not, if you told the story of my life, the movie would be basically void of major trauma, but you couldn't tell the story without, you know, the first time I was called the N word or Mm -hmm. something, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, do you feel like you're seeing a little bit more of that where it feels like the the trauma that comes along with being any sort of marginalized person and sometimes maybe it's very extreme and sometimes maybe it's more minor is being portrayed? Or do you still feel like we're stuck in a place where it's like sex worker or, you know, you talk about a, a foreign film where it's like, Mm -hmm. They cut off their own penis and Mm -hmm. like this like Mm -hmm. horrific moment, sensational. So I'm wondering if you have started to see portrayals that are slightly more nuanced, I guess, when it comes to trauma, because you can't tell these stories without some because it's part of being a marginalized person in this country, right? Yeah. Or do you feel like we shouldn't even play into it at all?
1: well i think the the problem is that we're only playing into well it right right in, in various ways both like yes. both like the the nuanced complex very real lived in type yeah. of ways that yeah. you talk about and also in the stereotypical you mm-hmm. know um tropey type of way mm-hmm. because th- there are there are ways to i'm thinking right now of a film that is is out in theaters right now called monica starring trace Lissette. Wonderful trans actress, the the narrative, it's a beautiful, you know, Oscar Beatty type movie, mm-hmm. in in that it is, you know, a slow burn. There's very little dialogue. It's a very internal type of acting okay. job. And it's really a story about this title character um reconnecting with her family mm-hmm. after years of being, you know, apart from them, um, so much so that they don't even recognize her, right? Oh, wow. Um, but then and it's a it's it's beautiful in that we get to see this trans character just kind of making coffee.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like having sex in the back of a truck. Just regular, degular stuff. You know, just regular, degular stuff. And I love that about the movie, but she still engages in sex work. Right.
0: You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. And
1: so how we we could have done that entire we we could have had that same movie without the sex work, right? And that would have been something different
0: and completely. So do, do you think that this like obsession with the tropes and mm-hmm. the stereotypes is coming from the executives, like from the tip top, or do you think it's coming from like maybe? The directors and the producers who just still don't have an imagination for it or can't see the wholeness Mm. of people, like from your—I mean, you're you're sort of a Hollywood insider. You you reported with L.A. Times, like you write about culture.
1: Well, maybe not an insider (laughs)
0: like nudge nudge, but an insider like you know what's going on.
1: You're privy to conversation. You know, I think I think it's a little bit of both. To be quite honest with you, right? Like I do think that. Um, people want, people are obsessed specifically, I think, with transition-related stories, Mm -hmm. right? They want to see the transformation, Mm -hmm. right, as a means of helping them articulate, Mm -hmm. right, what it is uh, to be trans. And... There are instances and we've had examples in culture in which, you know, they do that type of story with love and care and gentleness and all that other stuff. And we have other examples in which they don't. But I do think that that is the prevailing confusion Mm -hmm. as it relates to transness that manifests as the types of narratives that we most often see on screen. Right. Um, and so I think it's both the people who are in the C suite, right, who believe they've never met a trans person, as well as the actual creatives, many of whom also believe they've never met a trans person. And I wanna be clear, it's not to say that there's like ill intent. I think so many of these folks think they're doing the right thing. I yeah. think they're trying, you know, they're trying to humanize in their own way trans people, um, but not realizing or perhaps not being interested in shouldering the broader responsibility that right. comes with telling a trans narrative um that necessarily connects to Our everyday lives as trans people, in the same way that it did, you know, once, and I would say, to some sort of extent, still does when it when we talk about black representation at large.
0: Yeah. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about criticism. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that I I talk a lot about how I think, like with books. writing reviews that are critical or negative or call things out, whether it's harmful, but also sometimes when it's just like not good, like the character developed just like wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't like to do that. And they feel like, especially if they are from a group that is not cis, het, white mm-hmm. male, that there is an obligation to maybe be kinder or more gentler on the work because of identity. And, I understand that. And I think to an extent I do that naturally. Like I sometimes will be like, I'm being nice to this book because the author is a black woman. And then I'm like, wait a second, it mm-hmm. wasn't good. So I'm mm-hmm. wondering how you navigate that because you, you've you written for many publications and you are a cultural critic and you talk about, you know, your, your sort of like beat is mm-hmm. representation in pop mm-hmm. culture. And so that means you're talking about diversity and you're talking about movies that maybe aren't, Getting the same pl- press, or maybe they are, and they're not getting called to task for certain things. So, like, how do you personally navigate how hard you'll go in on something? How much you <laughs> might hold back <laughs> if something is like, okay, you know, it's black trans rep, they're trying, but there's an issue. Like, how do you yeah. navigate?
1: I think we do ourselves a disservice mm-hmm. when we want to blanket something into a binary. Yeah. By which I mean it's good or it's bad mm-hmm. or it's necessary for representation or it's not. Mm-hmm. For me one I think that to wrestle with and a a cultural production is the best way that we as an audience can honor mm-hmm. the work Mm-hmm. that a creative puts into something mm-hmm. which is not to say we always going to agree right. right with the creator, but so much I think about the ecosystem of art writ large should be about uh, uh, it should be like a, a dialectic conversation right mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with the audience yeah. um, And the entire audience you you will have some people who love it and you will have some people who, who hate la- it. who love it less. You know, <laughs> um, for me, it's about leaning into the complexity all the way, right? So I can say that, like, oh, it's great to have this movie out here in the world because of what it represents, mm-hmm. right? For the culture, for the people, and also say this particular portrayal is problematic, or that person cannot act, and we need to stop acting like yeah. they can. You see what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, you know, it. We. I think we can. We can have the nuanced conversation that's necessary, right? Um, and my goal is is to do it in a way that is digestible, that it is, you know, what well reasoned. Like you're going to understand why I feel the way mm-hmm. I feel. Um, and you also don't have to be mean when you're being critical, right? And I think I think people forget that sometimes yeah. um and so for me it's about you know i want to show the the care that i have mm-hmm. and also the appreciation i have for what was created yeah right but let's talk about some of the things that just ain't working
0: and do you ever get pushback from people who are involved in projects where you're like mm, wasn't great this wasn't working <laughs> and like how do you deal with that
1: um um I have gotten pushback before. Nothing, nothing major. Mm-hmm. I know of other people in the industry who have, you know, fiercer pens than I when okay. it comes to, <laughs> to, to criticism, particularly criticism of, of Black art, who have had, you know, people call their employer. Yeah. Right? To try to get them fired. I ain't had nothing like that. OK, okay. Um, I've just, you know, rubbed an elbow or two with somebody whose movie I said was bad at a party um, <laughs> or I reviewed somebody's book and, and said that they were capitulating to whiteness and then had to see them, you know, two weeks later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. I'm always down to have a conversation. That's right. You th- if you disagree with my estimation, let's tease it out. Mm-hmm. so that i can understand perhaps even better what your intention was mm-hmm. and you can understand what my reception was mm-hmm. because both of there there's a place for both of them mm-hmm. and so it's like you know if i'm going to say what i got to say and yep. if you would like to have some discourse about it, we can talk. Um, yeah. Because that's that's actually what gets me most excited about Same. criticism. Mm-hmm. It's the conversation. Like, yes. even putting this book together, like, you know, there are some things I say in this book that I was like, ooh, the girls are going to try to drag me <laughs> but let's talk about it, right? Because um, I just I like to talk things out. I like to tease things out. Let's sit at the table, at the kitchen table, and mm-hmm. let's 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 dive into it. Um, How so Michelle that's what Obama I'm excited about. of
0: you? <laughs>
1: Not the, the light. I, I carry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the light inside of all of us. It's, on, it's at the kitchen table. It's a candle on the table. It's a candle. Uh, it's a candle. Okay. <clears throat> One of my favorite things about receiving your book in the mail was when I opened it. I saw on the cover a past guest of the stacks from oh. the early days, Zeke. Oh, okay. Zeke Smith was on the show in 2018 or 19. We did that novel less, we did it for book club. And wow. I was just so thrilled to see Zeke. That's all. It's not a question. It's just a comment. I was like, ah, that's Zeke. And I, post, I posted it. And then Zeke DMs me. And he's like, that's me. I'm like, no shit, Zeke. I know who you are. <laughs> we talked for two hours about fucking about like books. But I was like, of course that's you. It's like clearly someone doing survivor things. <laughs> it's your face and your shirt on the book. <laughs> But I, I love, it. love it. I
1: love Zeke. I think his story, um, in particular of what went down on Survivor is one of those canonical moments of trans representation on screen. Um, and so, you know, he needed to be in the book. And so I'm glad that he is. I'm glad too.
0: Really made me excited. I, I guess there is sort of a question about trans masculine representation. Um, because I think a lot of the ways that Pop culturally, we think mm-hmm. about and talk about trans people, it has a lot to do with trans femme representation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, the violence is against trans women, specifically black and brown ones. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the obsession about, you know, gender and bathrooms and sports mm-hmm. is around trans feminine for mm-hmm. people. And so, and then, that, of course, as I'm reading the book, I'm trying to like. They're about halfway through the book. I'm like, where are the trans masculine people? And then, like two sentences later, you're like, don't worry, we're gonna get there. People. <laughs> um, but I'm sort of wondering about about that. I think you know, Elliot Page, ha- mm-hmm. having come out recently, has maybe shifted the the representation, I guess, mm-hmm. on, on that side, but. I don't know. I I just, I'm curious what you think about it, why you think it's this way. I know a little bit in the book you talk about size and like body parts a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. we have, we are comfortable with small men in a way that we're not comfortable with large women. Yeah. A little bit. So I'd love for you kind of just to talk about that.
1: Yeah. Well, Elliot's book comes out soon. Mm I think it'll be
0: out when people are listening to this. It's called Page Boy. I think it yes. comes out like June 6th or something. Yes. Yeah. Um.
1: But you're super right. You know, when when Elliot, you know, disclosed to the world his truth, he he put trans men, trans masculine people right on a particular space in in culture and discourse Um. that I would say they haven't been. Yeah. Um, as you know, writ large, um, in the same way that, you know, when Laverne Cox, you know, mm-hmm. jumped mm-hmm. dropped onto the scene with Orange is the new black. Um, I think that what it comes down to is that it is a lot harder, I think, for people to rationalize in their mind how and why someone assigned male at birth would want to live out their life as a woman. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) because of the ways that we treat women in our society, why would you give up quote unquote male privilege, right? To become a woman, to embody womanhood or femininity. Um, and I think in people's minds, it, it, it makes a little bit more sense that somebody assigned female at birth would want to, you know, grab a bit of male privilege right. in this society. Right. Um, and it's a lot harder to say um or let me rephrase that, it's a lot easier to get people to overreact to misunderstand to carry out hate towards trans women when you can say there's a man Mm -hmm. in the women's bathroom. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think a little bit also, what I was thinking about as I was working through the question and reading through the book is like, there's also this this sexism, right? Of course, Mm -hmm. of like anti-misogyny, all of these things that even a trans man for people who, Mm-hmm. don't see or understand transness or don't want to, or just hate it or whatever for those mm-hmm. people that it's like hating a trans man in some ways is like hating a woman. And it's like harder, like you don't hit girls. You don't, you know, like this mm-hmm. whole sexist mm-hmm. stuff where it's like, okay, but even still this person's a woman, even if they think they're a man, Like, mm-hmm. they're what do they know? They're just a girl. Like some of this like dismissive and sexist, Absolutely. like,
1: Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I think. I think there's a. I think there's that in there too. I also just think that there is a. Um, it to me, it all comes down to back to to femphobia, back to misogyny, back to you know anti womanness, all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so as a result, right, we've seen trans men, some of them as a means of survival, right, dissociating themselves from. Queer community from trans community, mm. right? Um, and quote unquote passing or blending in, right, hmm. into society in ways that you know a six foot seven black trans woman can't,
0: cannot, right, right. Oh, that makes so much, and sense.
1: so so there's 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 so many different layers. But I say all that, and to also note that there's also a particular type of. Of erasure, right, that happens mm-hmm. of the trans masculine, trans man experience as well. So then we don't even, as we're having conversations about the need for greater trans visibility, we don't even often consider that that also means trans men and trans masculine people, right? Because we're we're fo- we're focused on the uh the visible ways that we often take down women. Right. Yeah. That we want to reproduce specifically onto trans women and trans yeah. femme folk.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so that's so good. Um, So smart. OK, I'm doing a hard shift. I want to ask you about the, uh, the title. How did you come up Ooh. with it? What does it mean to you? What 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 is it? What is it? Talk about it. We see each other.
1: OK, so I have been waiting for somebody to ask me about the title directly oh, this entire time. <laughs> I keep having to bring it up and try oh. to, you know. Well, get, welcome get the, to the interviewer stacks. to ask it we and no one ever does. Title.
0: We love a title over here.
1: Okay, so we had a lot of conversation <laughs> about the title um, as probably happens with most books. I don't yeah. know. Um, and ultimately, I wanted a title that would signal off bat who I'm talking to, who I'm talking with, who I'm speaking in, in community with, right? Yes. And we see each other and this idea of being seen just kept coming to mind. We see each other, obviously. I basically kind of stole it from the the back and forth moment between Candy and Nene on mm-hmm. Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those who know, know. And if you don't, go Google it. It's on the YouTubes. Um, <laughs> but what I loved about it was that it kind of had this double speak in a way where the people who know that pop culture reference will know it and they will get it and they will understand that mm-hmm. layer. And the people who don't, They won't, but they'll still be able to consume it. But I want it to be clear from the beginning, right, that my goal and who I'm talking to and speaking with is other Black trans folks. Yeah. And the rest of y'all get to listen on in. You get to eat up this education as well Mm -hmm. and this Mm -hmm. knowledge. But this isn't a book that is interested in centering, you know, anything but a a black trans perspective and specifically my black trans yes. perspective right um which does not necessarily represent the entire right perspective right. of black transness um and so that's how we got to the title we had other titles but they all to me changed who the audience i
0: see was
1: that i was speaking to um i had you know it was it was it was a lot of back and forth got it but we ended up on the title um, that I wanted. The original title, the title that I sold it as was Seen, S-E-E-N, colon, trans lives on screen. Um, but I always knew I would change it. Um, okay. Because that was like, I was like, "Oh, that's boring. Yeah. And my book agent was like, okay, it's boring. But, but when we're clear. trying to sell this book, it's super clear. Mm-hmm. And they will know exactly what it is. And I was like, okay, girl, just as long as we all know. Yes, as long as there's am it. So it's
0: like, this will be changed.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: Is there uh, Can you tell us How you like to write How many hours a day How often Music or no Snacks and beverages Mm. That's important
1: Where are you I would not say I like to write Okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Me neither I hate it Um, But I'm good at it And I I, I do I do love it More generally speaking So I am An early riser I Wrote the majority Of the book In the early morning, like, you know, like six to eight, six Mm -hmm. to nine. Um, But I also have, like, I was doing so much while reading this, while writing this book. By so much, I mean I was writing the book, um, which I basically did in like three months. Do not advise. Okay. Do not advise. (laughs) Um, but I was also at the same time I was a consulting producer on the last season of the the TV show legendary mm-hmm. um, so I was on I was writing on set, you know oh, while gosh. we were on break um, while also doing the other podcasts. Um, I am a it depends on my mood whether I need some sort of sound in mm-hmm. the background or whether I can just hammer away um but not not really too many snacks. I'm not too much of a snacker. Boo. Um while while writing. While I love to eat, don't get me wrong. You but just you know,
0: popped it's popped on now and later. So let's not <laughs> let the record show you like a now and later at the very least.
1: But not when I'm writing. But I think that's okay. also because I write so early in the morning. It's yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. And then I'm just I'm a water girl. Just give me some water, maybe a Coca Cola, okay. um, something like that. Um, and then I I tried to have like a candle or two around just what to give scent? me some. Is there a
0: specific scent that you
1: like? There is a candle that I found while writing that is a Fruit Loop scented candle. Okay. Yeah, And it's, it smells exactly like the don't fruit. Don't tell moves.
0: me you don't like a snack when you have a fruit <laughs> candle. How dare you? Who do you think I am?
1: <laughs> I mean, if I need to nibble, I'll nibble. But, you okay. know, it's six o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, my body's not ready yet. Um, But that's basically how I, for the most part, um, write. Um, But I'm also the type of writer where, you know, I cannot move on unless the sentence that I am on is perfect. Okay. It needs to be I I so I I guess people say that's like editing as you go or whatever, mm-hmm. but like it has to be perfect. The rhythm has to to fall right. And so that can be I'll just say that meant that many a days I only wrote two sentences cuz okay. it took me that entire time to get those two sentences the way I needed them to be.
0: Um what's a word you can never spell correctly on the first try?
1: Oh my god. Um. Oh, this is horrible. Business.
0: Oh, good one. I think you're the first person to ever say business on the show.
1: Business. And I, I have the way to remember it because I got very embarrassed when I was in um, middle school. Um, <laughs> but business is one that I'm always like, okay, B-U-S-I? B-U-I-S? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a lot.
0: Totally. That's a good one. Um, is Well, do you know what comes next for you? Do you think you'll write another book?
1: Um, so I have a second book coming out later this year. Oh shit! Um, it's called Historically Black Phrases. It's a coffee table type, you know, oh, my book. God. Where I co-wrote it with Jared Hill, who is my co-host, co-host. on Fantae. Um, and it's like a coffee table book. We've like taken these b- phrases that we've heard growing up, put definitions to them. We've got some essays in there. We did some different interviews with different folks. Um so that's like a, a fun. When is you know, that out? What's that? That's date?
0: September 19th. Okay, we're gonna um, link so you guys can pre-order. I will yes, be pre-ordering please. immediately.
1: Please do. We just rele- we just uh, recently released the the cover of it. It's oh, my so goodness. cute. I'm so it's going to be so fun. Um but it was that was hilarious and wonderful. So that comes out September 19th. Um yes, that means I was writing both of these books at the same time. Yeah, Again, good do for not you. recommend. Do not recommend. Busy,
0: busy, busy.
1: <laughs> I overwork. It's fine. I'm 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 working on it, y'all. Um and so that though that's the most immediate thing, there will be other books Um, In the pipeline, I haven't started working on anything specific yet. I think I'm going to be doing something, you know, in the young adult arena next. Uh Um, So stay tuned. Stay
0: tuned. What's not in the book that you wish was?
1: Oh, there's so much. There's so, and, and most of it was just like people- whose contributions to culture I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I... There's a section at the end of the book called mm-hmm. um, in which I do these, like, just mini quick bios right. of, like, six trans people in culture. Um, Ajita Wilson, Wilma Broadnax. These are folks who... Maybe they were in film and television. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they were artists or whatnot whose names just needed to be said. Yeah. But if I had to choose a film that I would have put... Put in, or that I wanted to put in, but it just didn't work. It would be the Cheetah Girls. Mm. Um, <laughs> a lot of folks don't know that the character of Drinka Champagne, um, who's like the the drama teacher or whatever in the movie, is played by a trans woman. Oh Sa- Sandra Caldwell is her name. Um, she's still living with us. Um, and when I learned that piece of history, hmm. knowing the obsessive love that I have of that movie. I was like, oh, that must be the reason why. I mean, the, <laughs> besides the fact that, you know, we now know Raven is queer as well. Um, I was like, that's that's gotta be it. So I wanted to figure out a way to bring in Cheetah Girls, um, but it just didn't, didn't it didn't fun. make sense. It didn't fit. Book two,
0: all about Cheetah Girls, an oral history of <laughs> Cheetah Girls. Um, I just have- Two more questions for you. One is for people who love We See Each Other, what are other books you might recommend to them that are in conversation with your work? Mm.
1: I'm going to go with, we mentioned the Lady Chablis earlier. You all should check out her autobiography. It's called Hiding My Candy. (laughs) And it's wonderful. She also, she, read an abridged version of it for an audiobook Mm -hmm. um, in in her own voice. So that was fabulous. Um, And then I would also say, oh, Black on Both Sides, Mm. um, which is, it's a more academic in nature text um but uh c riley snorton does has done a lot of great research and information in terms of unearthing the experiences and existences of black trans people um you know from from back 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 in the day um and so that was like a foundational text for me when i was like putting the book together
0: and for people, there is a little page of selected further reading or further reading. Yes. So when you get the book, when you get to the end and you're like, I need more, Travel has you covered.
1: There's plenty more for you.
0: That's exactly right. Here's my last question. If you could have one person dead or alive read this book, who would you want it to be?
1: I'm going to go, I'm going to go kind of, you know, spiritual and amorphous here. Okay. My dedication to the book in the book yes. is to... Who I believe to be a transcester that existed in my family that I just don't know about. Mm-hmm. The dedication
0: um, says, "For the transcestors from who I specifically came, I don't know your names, but my spirit says you existed."
1: Yeah, um, I just you know I'm I'm a bad bitch and I'm wonderful and I'm all of these you know amazing <laughs> things. However, I push back against the thought that I'm like the first trans person in my family. Yeah, and. Uh, I often think about just, like, who do I not know about? Mm -hmm. Because for various reasons, Mm -hmm. my family lost their story. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so whoever that person is, I would want them to read the book and see my attempts at, you know, reclaiming, reasserting, you know, um, a a presence, you know, in, Mm -hmm. in our particular bloodline.
0: Ugh. Gosh, I'm obsessed with you. Everyone, this has been a conversation with Travel Anderson. Their book is called We See Each Other A Black Trans Journey Through TV and Film. You can get it wherever you get your books. Do you read the audiobook? I do read the audiobook. Okay, so you can listen to Travel read it. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. And everyone else, we will see you in the stacks. All right, y'all. That does it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Travel Anderson for joining the show. And a special thank you to Alexandra Serrano for helping to make this conversation possible. Don't forget our June book club pick is Oreo by Fran Ross. And we will discuss the book with Hannah Oliver-Depp on Wednesday, June 28th. If you love the show and want inside access to it, head over to patreon.com slash the stacks to join the stacks pack. Make sure you're subscribed to The Stacks wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to leave us a rating and a review. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and TikTok, and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And of course, check out our website, TheStaxPodcast.com. This episode of The Stacks was edited by Christian Duenas with production assistance from Lauren Tyree. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tegirigis. The Stacks is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.